Good morning, everybody. I'm very excited for today's message, and uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground today, so can you guys buckle up? You ready? All right, have you ever really wanted to do something, uh, but you couldn't get anybody else on board? You couldn't get your friends on board, you couldn't get your spouse on board, you really wanted to do it, but you couldn't find anybody to go with you. Everybody, anybody ever been there? Just me. I guess I don't have any friends. All right, there was a point when Avengers Infinity War came out, okay, 2019, uh, you know, you have all these movies leading up to this one moment, an epic battle with Thanos, right? Uh, I could not convince my wife to go see a three-hour movie because uh, she didn't watch any of the other movies. Uh, and when she did, she was just scrolling on her phone because it was at her house, and she just let me control what was on the TV. She wasn't really interested, okay? Uh, so she's not interested. I-, I tried to get some bros to go, all right, to go watch the movie together. Uh, we all got kids, busy schedules. It just never worked out. I waited months. You know how hard it is to not find spoilers on that big of a movie? It's incredibly hard. I waited months. Uh, and finally, I had the opportunity to go. Got to go see it. Only problem was, uh, I was the only one who could go and see the movie. So that's kind of a dilemma. Uh, do I go watch the movie alone, or do I continue to wait to go see it with friends? I go and watch the movie alone. Treat Yourself 2019. It was great. Uh, Uh, But there are moments, I go get myself a bucket of popcorn, I sit by myself, but there are just moments where something crazy happens. There's an Easter egg in the movie, and when you're watching a movie and you're with somebody and something happens where you're like, what do you do? You turn, look at your friend, make eye contact, your jaw drops, maybe you smile, all right? When no one is there, guess what? You don't have that moment. You look down the road and it's like, these middle schoolers just like giggling because they're throwing Skittles at people. Like they, you know, they don't even know what's going on. Um. Uh, and also, if you're like me, uh, I laughed at one part of the movie. I was like, clearly this is a joke. Only person to laugh in the whole theater. You want to talk about feeling like a weirdo going to a matinee movie by yourself, laughing with no, when nobody else does. Uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that we were all made for community. We're, it's better when we have people with us, when we have our tribe Uh, And so we need that. And our text today is really going to share the importance about community, the importance of companionship. And since we're talking about community, I thought this would be a great opportunity to tell everyone, let you guys know about Circle Sunday. February 27th is Circle Sunday. Uh, And so that week, we will launch groups here at Refuge. uh, Because having your people, having your, your tribe, having your circle, I don't think it's necessarily a necessity in life. You can get by without it, but man, it sure is a blessing. Everybody needs their people. And maybe you're at a place in your life where you're like, I don't need people. Well, maybe somebody needs you. Circle Sunday is February 27th. Do not miss that Sunday. It's going to be a great opportunity to get to connect, to get to know other people. If you're interested in hosting a group, right, that means uh, maybe you want to host the Bible study time. You want to facilitate uh, people talking and, and interacting. Maybe that scares you. Maybe you would just say, hey, I'll open my house. I'll be a host. I'm not leading the Bible study. Get somebody else to do that. But you guys can use my bathroom and eat my chips, all right? If that's you, uh, if either one of those is you, you can text ho- the word host to 405-777-4637. It'll be on the screen at the end of the service. But um, if either one of those are you, you can text host to that. And uh, we would really, really be honored to, to have that opportunity. Uh, and if you're interested in being connected into one of those groups, maybe you don't want to open your house, uh, you don't want to lead the Bible study, but you want to be a part of one, February 27th is going to be a great time to connect, to get to know those leaders, to be a part of it. 
Uh, it's going to be an incredibly fun Sunday together. But enough about three weeks from now. Today, today we're in the middle of our series, Catching Smoke. We're talking about finding purpose in life. And we've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the best way to follow along the message is the YouVersion Bible app. If you got that pulled up, you can go to the bottom corner, hit more, hit events, find Refuge Church. It's got everything there. Um, and that really is the best way to follow along. To recap what we've covered so far, just, just the high notes. I'm going to try to be quick. King Solomon was the wisest and richest man to ever live. In today's dollar, he'd be worth anywhere from $1.5 trillion to $2.1 trillion. The wealthiest man in the world right now is $285 billion. Solomon had deep pockets. He had everything you could ever imagine. Uh, during his reign, silver wasn't good enough for his, for his palace. Only gold. And there's a few phrases that Solomon uses in the book of Ecclesiastes over and over again. He says, meaningless, under the sun, and chasing the wind. Meaningless, under the sun, and chasing the wind. And here's the word picture that Solomon's trying to paint for us. That when we look at life under the sun, we're saying when we look at the things we can taste, see, smell, touch, the things we can quantify, the abbreviations in front of your name, the money in the bank, the square footage of your house, the year car you drive, those types of things, those are meaningless, like chasing the wind. And when we try to find purpose, we try to find satisfaction in those things, it's like trying to catch smoke. The harder we try to hold on to it, the more we're going to feel the pain of it slipping through our fingers. What we see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes is God calling us to surrender. So we can fully enjoy the gifts he has given us. Instead of trying to catch smoke, which is just going to lead to more frustration, what if we just received the good gifts that God has given us? Before we hop into any new content, let's pray. God, I thank you for everybody that is here. God, I pray that you would touch hearts, that you would draw people to yourself, that today we would see decisions made that not only impact today, but they impact this week, this month, and God, they would impact eternity. And not just the people in this room, but these people in this room would go make an impact in their circle. That they would have influence, that they would speak, uh, they would proclaim the gospel, God, the gospel would change people's lives. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Right, we have one more week in this series. Next week is the last week. Uh, and I'm just going to be honest with you, we got a lot of ground to cover, all right? We're at chapter four, there's 12 chapters, Woo, all right? It's going to be a long one, that's why I said buckle up. No, I'm just kidding, hey, get out of here at normal time. But here's the deal, we're going to go fast, we're going to move at a quick pace, going to hit the high notes. We have these in the lobby, all right? This is just the book of Ecclesiastes. It's got a journal on this side, the verse is over there. We've got these in the lobby, if you want to take time to walk through this book at a slower pace. Uh, we got several copies out there. Uh, you can take one. Uh, they're free. Uh, we, I mean, they weren't free to us. We bought them, but we want to be a blessing. We want to give that back to you. Uh, but if you take one, there's one request. Use it, all right? Get into God's word. Let him work on your heart. Uh, and I really believe that could be a blessing to you. So if you want to go in and dig a little deeper and take time, we have those out. I think they're right above the donuts. You can grab a donut too, okay? But read it. Let God do a work into you, in you. And now let's jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. Fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls 
with hard work and chasing the wind. Have you guys ever tried to do too much? I, I tend to sell myself that I can accomplish more in a day than I actually can. Anybody, anybody else like that? Like, I think I can get more accomplished than I actually can. Uh, I make my to-do list, and uh, I work through it. And it seems like no matter how hard I work, I never get to the bottom of that list. I never make it. Uh, and so uh, I tend to oversell myself. And so in 2020, uh, Kelsey and I got our bank account stimulated by the U.S. government. Anybody else? Yep, stimulation. All right, it happened there. Uh, and so I told Kelsey, look, I got a steady job. You got a steady job. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Our savings account, that emergency fund, fully funded. Let's take this money. Let's remodel the bathroom. And when I say let's remodel the bathroom, I don't mean contract it out. I mean me, YouTube, and the help of some family, we're going to flip this thing. Um, that was my dad laughing because he saw the dumpster fire that that was. Um, so, hey, uh, I don't remember the exact timeline on the completion, but I could tell you this. There was a lot of sweating, frustration, uh, and definitely more money than we anticipated, and we did not complete the job in the expected time frame. Um, and those of you who are married, you know that my wife was very gracious about not having her bathroom, did not ask when am I going to get my bathroom back, uh, just, you know, pretty much every day. Uh, felt the pressure, got to get this done. Uh, and when we finished up, the question that I got from several people was, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And my, my honest response, and I still think today, I get to use my nice bathroom. I don't know. I don't know if it was worth all that sweat. I don't know if it was worth all that time. Might have been just worth the money to pay someone to do it and to be done with it. But here's the deal. You can achieve a lot more if you use both hands and you work hard. There's no doubt you can do more with two hands and striving. But the question is, is it really worth it? Solomon says that people are motivated by success not to be successful, but because they want to be better than those people over there. I want to be better than my neighbor. I want to, I'm going to envy what they have. I'm just going to one-up them. They see what they have and they say, I want it too, but I want more than they do. He tells us it's better to have one handful with quietness. Other translations say one handful with peace than to have two handfuls with striving and hard work. What does it look like to have one handful with peace? One handful with quietness. I think a lot of us, we spent a lot of our lives going with two hands, trying to make the most of every opportunity to capitalize on it, and we just kind of strive, we just kind of work, and um, there's not a lot of peace. What would it look like to have one handful with quietness, one handful with peace? I think there's two tenets that have to be present. Uh, Proverbs 15, 17, I think, presents this uh, pretty perfectly and pretty succinctly. Here's how it goes. Proverbs 15, 17, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate, All right? You get two options in front of you, veggies or steak. Who's going steak? Same, you know, just generic, steak versus veggies. Who's going steak? All right. You got to spend steak dinner with someone you cannot Stand. That person at work who when they walk up, you go, yeah, I got to get back to work. I'm going to go to my cubicle now. You run away from, all right? You got to have steak with them or you can have a bowl of veggies with someone you love. Unless you really love steak, all y'all picking veggies, right? And I think there's two truths that we see in this verse. And the first one is this. 
you have to be content with what you have. Right? You got to be content with veggies and not steak. And the second thing is you have to love who you are with. Be content with what you have and love who you are with. Many of us, if we're being honest, like I know steak and veggies, it's like no-brainer steak. All right, we're going Ron Swanson. What is this green stuff? That's my food's food. Okay, we want steak. But a lot of us, we want steak so bad that we tolerate people to get it. We, we actually neglect the people we love so that we can, instead of getting that bowl of veggies and just being happy and being with people we love, we spend time with people we actually don't like, who, who we would not want to have influence on us because we want to get the thing. That might not be steak. It might be a better job. It might be more money. It might be a number of things. That's the truth. I think a lot of us do that. Be content with what you have and love who you're with. Let's keep reading in chapter 4, verse 7. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of someone who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. Then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is also meaningless and depressing. When you look at all that you accomplish, you have to remember that eventually, we've got some high achievers in the room. Like I just know some of you guys, you're go-getters, you get after it. Uh, And I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but eventually, no one is going to remember anything you accomplished. Can I go a step further? Eventually, no one's not even gonna remember what you accomplished they're not even going to remember you. That's life here under the sun. And if we try to find our purpose, if we try to find our satisfaction in the things, our achieving, what we're known for, you will always be looking for more because it's never going to be enough because those things do not last. They don't last. And that last sentence, it says, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure right now. There are situations where it's good to give up uh, pleasure right now or good to be uncomfortable right now because it pays a dividend in the future. I started working out with uh, Colin. If you guys know Colin, he's like like this, and I've been working out with him. Um, I paid the price. I was uncomfortable. That was not pleasurable. Uh, I went to get up out of bed the other day, and I was like, I don't think my legs work. I was walking like a baby deer. But here's the deal. It was worth it because It's going to help me down the line. There's going to be a dividend that comes back. There's a return on that investment that's worth it. When we talk about getting more money, getting more stuff, it's not going to last. It's not worth it. That's not what he's telling us right here. So ponder these questions for you. Who am I working for? Who are you working for? My family, right? That's what everybody says right out the gate. But honestly, think about it. Who am I working for? And why am I giving up so much pleasure right now? Why am I striving so hard? Who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure, so much fun right now? Church, if you answer either one of those questions and it does not involve the kingdom of God, you know, when I say the kingdom of God, I mean the things that matter for eternity, if you answer that question, it doesn't include God's kingdom in any way. You've been led astray. Not by, not by bad things, not by evil things, but by things that simply do not last. They're not going to last. They're not going to be here. No one's going to remember them. Let's keep moving. Verse 9. Two people are better off than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Notice it didn't say they couldn't just not be defeated. It says they will conquer. Lessons. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Two people, better than one, for they can help each other succeed. They can reach out and help. Life is easier when you're not alone. Life is easier when you have companionship. Uh, This very well could be a spouse. It doesn't have to be a spouse. But to have someone who is with you does wonders for you as a person. We all, everyone in this room needs people who will pick us up when we need help. And there are times we need to pick people up too. I got a good friend of mine. He's, uh, he lives in St. Louis area. He's in Illinois. His name's Brennan. Uh, we talk just about every other day on the phone. Um, just about every other day. Sometimes every day. It just depends on how stressed either one of us is, all right? That's kind of the call frequency there is kind of related to that. Uh, but sometimes he will call. He'll vent about something that's stressing him out. Um, I try to talk him down, put him in some perspective into the situation because I'm not in it. Other times I'm stressed out. I'm frustrated. He helps me. Sometimes uh, I need an idea for something, and I'll ask him, and he'll say, hey, I had something similar. Here's what we did. Uh, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes we talk for an extended period of time. Well, other times it's short. Maybe it's just five minutes. Sometimes we help each other, and they give us an idea, and we'll be like, that was a good idea. Thank you. I'm going now because i got to go do that. <laughs> it's quick. We help each other out. We all need people like that in our lives. We need people who will pick us up. Kelsey, my wife, she's that for me. My friend Brennan, he's also that for me. Who is the person for you that picks you up when you need help? God is there for you, no doubt. He's always there for you. Uh, But God most tangibly works through his people. If we are his hands and his feet, we need to be there for other people, and they need to be there for us. Who picks you up when you need help? Who picks you up when you need help? If you have to pause for a second there, uh, you might need to increase your circle. Or, or, or maybe you don't need to increase your circle. Maybe you just need to improve your circle. Improve the people that are in there. Right? Get people that you're like-minded with that have the same values as you. The threefold chord it mentions, that last verse, uh, it's a picture of many different uh, scenarios. It's an example that could be used for a lot of different things. Uh, and so that principle holds true depending on what you put there. The goat example um, for those of you who don't know, goat, greatest of all time. That's what goat means, all right? The goat example would be the Trinity, all right? Three-fold cord. The Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. If you heard this passage at a wedding, you probably heard this. Uh, the three things, the bride, the groom, and God. If you're talking about a family, it'd probably be a mom, dad, and their kids. The point Solomon is making here is that if you were to untwist that cord, Right, take the goat example out. This doesn't apply to God. But if you were to untwist that cord and you were to take a family and you were to remove dad, it would be a lot easier for that to be broken. And in any of those, you were to remove mom. When those are separated, it's a lot easier to be broken. When they're together, it's a lot harder. It is not easily broken. A marriage centered on God and tied together by his love will not be easily broken. Right? It's all of those things coming together. You need others in your life. 
Who is in your life? Now, there's a question that I saw here uh, from Tony Evans, and I thought it was really good. How have others strengthened your efforts to faithfully follow God? How have others strengthened your efforts to faithfully follow God? Sometimes we have friends, we have people in our circle, and they'll, they'll help us, but maybe we just don't talk about church. We don't talk about uh, my relationship with Jesus. We don't talk about that. I think that as holistic beings, we should talk about the things that are going on inside us. We should talk about our Savior. We should talk about the one who saved us and we get to be with forever. How have others strengthened your efforts to faithfully follow God? Uh, that right there, others strengthening your efforts to follow God, that's what real love looks like. That's what real love is. Let's keep moving. Verse 13. It is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Such a youth could rise from poverty and succeed. He might even become king, though he has been in prison. But then everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth who replaces him. Endless crowds stand around him, but then another generation grows up and rejects him too. This is all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. Solomon doesn't come out here and say it, but many people believe that last little passage is a reference to Joseph. If you grew up going to Sunday school, you might know about Joseph and his sweet coat of many colors, all right? For those not familiar, I'm going to hit the cliff notes, the highlights. There's way more I could get into, but I'm going to try to be brief. Uh, Joseph, um, favorite child, sold into slavery by his brothers. They couldn't stand him. Ends up working for a man, a man in Egypt. That man promotes him to basically head a household. He's running the house. Uh, that man's wife accuses Joseph of raping her. Joseph is thrown into jail. Joseph interprets a dream from Pharaoh, and, while he, and he's still in prison, and he warns Pharaoh that there's a famine coming. And so because he warns him, they're able to take, uh, they're, they're able to take the, the necessary steps to, to save the country. And so because they get to do that, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, makes Joseph his second in command. He's basically running the whole show. Pharaoh's there, but he's just looking good, smiling for pictures. He's not actually doing anything, right? Joseph is running this thing. Joseph saves his family, the one who sold him into slavery, saves all of them from the famine because of his position of power. And usually the story kind of ends there. Like, they meant this for evil, God meant it for good, and he put all this together. And, and that's very true. But if you actually keep reading in the biblical account, that's exactly why the people of Israel, they're in Egypt, and guess what? They're in bondage. A new generation rises up, a new leader emerges, Joseph's gone, and they actually enslave Israel. That's how you end up hearing about Moses leading Israel out of Egypt and God parting the Red Sea for their escape. So let's read this again in that context. There's Joseph, sold into slavery, goes to prison, becomes king, and then hundreds of years later, those people that he saved are actually in prison. It is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Such a youth could rise from poverty and succeed. He might even become king, though he has been in prison. But then everyone rushes to the side of yet another youth who replaces him. Endless crowds stand around him, but another generation rises up and rejects him too. This is all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. I want you to think about everything that Joseph accomplished. I mean, literally, rags to riches. 
Number two, most powerful man in the land. And as time would have it, as that went on, that ends up as people are there and they get enslaved. Power and position are truly meaningless in the larger scope of humanity because they don't last. They're not going to be here. It's smoke. You can see it for a second and then it's going to be gone. Let's hop down to chapter 5, verse 7. Talk is cheap like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. For every official is under orders from higher up and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Doesn't sound like anything we experience right now at all. Okay. Even the king milks the land for his own profit. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. If you think more money is going to fix your problems, it ain't. It don't work like that. It's, it's hard work and moderation lead to a peaceful life. The pursuit of wealth in and of itself, it's going to lead to unnecessary anxieties. It's like the more money we come across, the more money we need. All right, more money, more problems. Anybody? Nobody? I caught you guys sleeping on that one. Some of you guys are like, What? But hey, honestly, more money, more problems. It literally just said that. The more money you have, the more people will come to help you spend it. Verse 13. So there is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Because when you hoard, you become a slave to that stuff. You put it in a pedestal. That's what you want. When you hoard, you become a slave to your stuff. Verse 14. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour. And in the end, everything is lost. There is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. On your deathbed, you won't be bragging about your cars. What's going to matter is the spiritual legacy you left behind for others and the heavenly investments you forwarded ahead. The, the, the spiritual must always trump the material. The fool stores up treasure for himself but is not rich towards God. It's far better to seek that which lasts forever. That's the kingdom of God. Where our spiritual beings not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings. And that stuff can never satisfy. Let's keep going. Verse 18. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the short life God has given them. And to accept their lot in life. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy 
enjoying life, they take no time to brood over the past. All right, the prescription for enjoying life, it's repeated again, all right? Go get some good food after this. We should enjoy our food, enjoy our drink, and enjoy our work and savor them as gifts from God. It says it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. Uh, my experience with wealth is this. Honestly, the wealthiest people I know also happen to be the most generous people I know. And you might say they have more money. I think they were generous before they got more money. I think they were generous, and God just kept blessing. There's a pastor in California. His name is Rick Warren. He wrote a book. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. You might have heard of it. It's, you know, it's like the literally, I think, the number one best-selling book of all time. At least it was at one point. Uh, outside of the Bible, Bible's still number one, undefeated. Uh, but anyways, when he sold this book, it catapulted his wealth to insane levels, new levels. And he attributes all of his success to God. He even says he has a good guess as to why God blessed him with the money. Because God knew what he would do with it. Uh, when he got all this wealth and the book took off, he, Rick Warren, paid back all the salary that the church gave him. Not all for that year, all from all time. And he's the guy who planted the church. He didn't need the money. So instead of tithing a tenth, all right, a tithe literally means tenth. Instead of tithing ten and keeping 90 for himself, he flipped it. He said, I'm going to give away 90 and I'm going to live off of ten. That's enjoying life and accepting your lot in life and really being kingdom-minded, putting your resources to things that will last for eternity. And how does that verse end? It says, and God keeps such people so busy enjoying life, they take no time to brood over the past. There are too many people on this planet who they're replaying nightmares from their past and because they're stuck replaying it over and over and over again, they miss out the opportunities that are right in front of them. Enjoy the, God, the gifts God has put in front of you. Don't miss them for brooding over the past. You can't change the past, but God can give you a new future. Starting a new path is exciting and exhilarating. Uh, trust me, uh, I've been living that, all right, the past month. We're four weeks in. This is a new thing. We are very excited. I've had so much fun seeing God start refuge and, and literally just send people to the team. It's amazing. Uh, there are people who are here today that we met through a Facebook ad, and I'm just like, that's crazy to me. Like, go God. That's insane. I love it. Uh, the afternoon after Refuge launched, uh, Kelsey and I settled down, had some good food, relaxed. She asked me, how do I feel? And it was really a surreal moment for me. We've been praying, we've been preparing, we've been positioning for over a year to see this church get started. And the afternoon after service, my answer was to how do you feel was, we have service next week. Like, like, this thing is going. Like, we had all this work leading up to this one Sunday. And it felt like that was the whole book. But, but really, that was just the prologue. Like, we're four weeks into chapter one. We're just four weeks into chapter one. So starting might be a challenge, whatever it is. But better than starting, better than starting something, much better is completing it. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8 says this, finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Finishing is better than starting. It's one thing to start a new adventure, but it's an entirely different thing to see it 
to completion. I want you to be encouraged today that God will finish what he started in you. He'll finish what he started in you. He's not going to leave you alone. You don't have to worry, is he going to come through? Here's what it says in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain, certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God is going to see you through it. Whatever it is, he's going to see you through it. He's going to finish that good work. Don't give up. Don't give up. Final passage right here. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything. It can get you a jet ski. A jet ski will make you smile. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard time strikes, realize that both come from God. Nothing in this life is certain. Enjoy, enjoying prosperity is good, but those gifts, they're fleeting. It says the wise accept God's hand in everything. That means in the good, that means in the bad. God's in it. He's going to do something amazing through it. We can't change what God has done, and trying to only leads to frustration. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Wisdom, according to this passage, is accepting the way God does things. Accepting the way God does things. Only wisdom can save your life. In 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 26, or verse 26, it says this, and we see how wisdom can save your life. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God unites you. God unites you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. For our benefit, God made him. For our benefit, God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. Jesus made us right with God. Jesus made us pure and holy. Jesus freed us from our sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Wisdom is not business acumen. Wisdom is not knowing the right way to respond. Wisdom isn't getting what you want. Jesus is wisdom. And to be wise is to know Jesus. To know Jesus. Not know about him, but to know him, to have a relationship with him. That's what it means to be wise. Are you wise 
Are you walking in wisdom today? Let's pray.